podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so the triple threat in FPL ended with a bit of a whimper. The template failed. But outright joy was seen for owners of a couple of choice differentials this week. The FPL overdose has ended, um, and those who espoused the virtues of patience ticking over on the last pod didn't do very well. Whereas those who did um, tend to do okay. We'll see, we'll see in a bit who on this podcast did do well and who didn't. Obviously, you can guess I haven't done very well this week uh, by the sound of my voice. But anyway, um, Everton Arsenal is still ongoing. We're waiting for that Ramsdale clean sheet to go. But in the meantime, we are Who Got The Assist. I'm Tom. You can find me on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. My co-host Anthony is at FPL Stag. The lead code is 2IP43T. And we're joined today by a fresh face, one maybe even fresher than Anthony's. I'm not sure um, how the freshness scale works, but we're joined by Harry, the Jaeger King, the progenitor of Harry Fest, and uh, a bit of an urchin in terms of the FPL world. He is at FPL Harry, formerly FPL Tips. Great to have you on the pod. Thank you. No, thank you for having me. Been a long time listener, as I think I said on Twitter. So to be invited on was a very nice surprise to wake up to the other day. Oh, welcome, Harry. It's great to have you on. Um, so I guess looking at this podcast, we're in the middle still of the maelstrom that is the festive fixtures. So what we're going to be doing is refocusing on that by looking at how will FPL change in December. There's kind of lots to go into, so we'll do our best to be concise, but you know how good we are at that on this podcast. And we're going to be highlighting some fixture shifts and how they might change our thinking, home in some top targets and what not. However, what we're going to do is kick off, as per usual, with the gaming reviews, which are a little bit pending given that the Arsenal-Everton game is ongoing, but still, we shall try. Oh, as the guest and as someone who's actually doing very well this year, uh, Harry, first, uh, how's it gone this week? I know it's been quite tough for some, but I see having Wilson and Son. Didn't, weren't you wildcarding recently or something like that? Yes, I wildcarded, when was it? Probably about three or four weeks ago now. Um, And it has gone pretty well. I was about 110k when I played my wildcard. And I'm hoping at the end of this game week, I might just creep inside the top 50k, depending on what happens to Ramsdale. But yeah, a pretty good week. Son 13 and Wilson 9 being the sort of key standouts. Gundogan six, which is fine. I'm pretty pained that I was one of those people that I started with Foden, then he got injured and I moved to Gundogan and then he didn't play midweek. And then I got him at the weekend. And I just wish at some point during that cycle, I wish I decided that Bernardo Silva was the one to go to. We're sure we'll talk about him, but it's it's put a little bit of a dampener on it because I definitely considered him. But yeah, a pretty good week. 60 at the moment, plus any potential points before... Ramsdale comes in for a clean sheet, I think. Yeah, we hope. We can only live in the hope. hope. <laughs> we <laughs> yeah. hope. All right. Down to the doldrums. Um, Anthony, you're next. Less good, Tom. <laughs> that's the <laughs> that's the, the main headline from this. So I'm kind of in the, the mid-40s right now, 45, 46, depending on where I look. And it kind of all depends on what happens in my case with Ben White. Uh, part of this was the template failing part of it was my differentials not necessarily firing or even playing so I had Guaita in goals his two-pointer was um, frustrating but I guess such is the way when you've got Guaita you shouldn't just shouldn't buy him that's basically it 
I have now got the super duper template defense of Cancelo, Rudiger, James, and Alexander Arnold. So Alexander Arnold's nine was obviously a hygiene factor, given that everyone owns him, and the others didn't get much. So kind of being doubled up on Chelsea's defense has, for the two weeks that I have been doubled up on it, not worked. Then in the midfield, I did have San, which was lovely, that those 13 points. But if I didn't have those 13 points, it would be a true, true disaster. I had Salah captain for his 12. Jota I have as well with his three-pointer. Emil Smith-Rowe has not played, which means I have Ben White coming off the bench. He hopefully will deliver me something. Up front, even Tony didn't turn up or Ivan Tony didn't show up. So zero points from him means that King comes off the bench to give me one point. And Gabriel Jesus came off the bench, didn't start for Man City, unfortunately, and he got one point, continuing the consistent frustration that I've had owning him where I really do think that he could fire and I'm very slow to sell and you definitely won't get sold given the amount of question marks I have on my side now, but another frustrating week as a Jesus owner. Yes, your faith has been misplaced, I'm afraid, in that particular deity. However, my faith in my team is even worse. So, I mean, I, as I said, I didn't take my own advice. So last podcast, I was saying, you know what, I'm going to you know, just just steer myself into this game week, not take a hit, make one move and have the two transfers to move everything over. Instead, what I did was um, on Friday, I saw a good chance to clear out some deadwood. So I got rid of Greater. <laughs> Finally got rid of Greater. Sorry. Um, got rid of Christensen and got rid of Mbwemo. And I brought in Ramsdale, uh, Reguillon and David Luiz. You can tell how this is going to go. And my team looked very good at the start of the game week. I've got to say, like achingly template, but whatever. I was really well set. What I got was just crap. So I think I'm on 37. I think maybe I'll, I'll maybe I'll hit, hit the 40s perhaps if I'm lucky. Um, but at the end of the day, oh, yeah. Douglas Luiz. I didn't buy David Luiz. No, I didn't buy, didn't buy Sideshow Bob. Yeah, Douglas Luiz I brought in uh, just as like a, little, uh, uh, a little enabler. But what I got this week was absolute crap. So Ramsdale, whatever he's going to come out with, Trent and Salah were my only two returners other than Rafinha and Antonio. Uh, Antonio was a very, very jammy assist. Rafinha, a better assist. Um, but yeah, Jota, that horrendous miss. Uh, two zeros from uh, Reguillon and James. Um, and Kane just didn't do anything again. Unbelievable, Jeff. I'm not going to hindsight it too much in terms of taking the minus four. There's lots of sliding doors, such as Jota missing that chance I mentioned earlier. Kane's data was a little bit better, but nonetheless, I'm a little bit sad about that. One thing I'm particularly sad about, though, and I've written down here, rant about Reguillon. And I've told everyone I know about this. Seriously, I've told the guys in the Slack about this. My cousins heard about it. My girlfriend's heard about it. Yes, I've got one. I know. I don't know how I've got one, but I've got one. And my colleague, Kieran, very kindly listened to me talk about it at length earlier on. All right, my anger is now subsiding. It's more of a hashtag content point. But I'm still miffed, Harry and uh, Anthony. Miffed. Because it was a cast iron clean sheet. It attacking points versus Norwich. They, they, were, they were coming, weren't they? Let's face it. And yeah, they should have scored. You know, Pookie and your man Ida should have scored. But you know the eye test of Region and the data offered up by the algos, especially the ones I trust in terms of FPL review and uh, Mikel, were highly recommending getting him in and you know saying he was ludicrous value. I was really excited about him. I know there was a hit, but I had no qualms taking it. The moment I realised I get this guy in, but yeah, just unbelievable. A yellow card and then subbed off, and then the lads got the temerity to log on social media to tell me not to sell him on FPL. Like absolutely ridiculous, right? So, you know, I've got like a potential six, 12 points to perhaps be done something. 
But he blanked. It's worse than a blank. It was nothing, right? It's absolutely ridiculous. And it's one that sums up my FPL experience in recent years. All the stats pointed to it being a good idea, but the outcome was comically awful. Now, it's easy to hindsight it, but if he had stayed on, recorded that Keeney, et cetera, it wouldn't even be a thing. I wouldn't be, be worried about the fact that took a hit. But the, the fact was, it was one of the most, the worst possible outcomes. He could have scored an own goal, I guess, scored minus one. But yeah, it's just ridiculous to be honest. And then Buemo assist, just top it off, was simply lulls. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Bloody Region. I blame James Carroll 100%. Right, let's move on to the objectives. And I'll sharp about my woes. Uh, Anthony, objectives this week, anything from you? So my cap, my objectives, I think, as for quite a few of the last few weeks, there's really nothing too controversial in them and that I continue to captain with the Herg, i.e. Captain Salah. My transfers, I didn't have any elite players that I had to consider transferring out in that I only really have one truly elite player in the side and that's Salah. And I guess you could say that the defenders are in their own way elite and I'm not getting frustrated or anything with my now big at the back formation or anything like it. Uh, timings I didn't make my transfers late or anything like it and I didn't take any hits I didn't even make a transfer at all so I haven't moved towards my play style 10 hit max total I'm halfway there but I didn't add to it this week Fair play um, for me captaincy obviously I'm going to just do that all year but my captaincy objective is to do whatever Mikel's algorithm tells me to do transfers in a 50-50 situation take the hit I did take the hit transfers take a chance on form and buy in bandwagoning players I did take a chance on form and I did buy in a potentially bandwagoning player in Region who really annoyed me because enough Harry um, do you have any objectives that you set yourself for this season any particular sort of insights into how you set up your team and how you play the game not that rigid I think being flexible has worked quite well trying to adapt to, to what's happening I generally think on Anthony's last point hits I try and take as few as I, I possibly can in a season I've got two free transfers and I keep just making one rolling them over I think as I'm in a very comfortable position with that I've taken one hit all season which I just generally think the chances of them paying off if you start picking players that you generally look at them and you think they've got long-term potential in, I rarely take short-term punts in my team, which means I've, I'm rarely, you know, trying to throw a lot of different players around my team, which means I don't need loads of transfers to do that, which tends to put me in good stead, but it also means my team is quite template a lot of the time. Yeah, in fairness, the template's working out well for you. I wouldn't necessarily think that <laughs> you need to do anything to shift no. off it at the moment. Benefit from the marginal gains, I guess, of the compound differential of having the whole, almost a whole template there. I think maybe this week though was a rejoinder to that whole thing about like not being worried about having the template because you did have a couple of players, you know, Son and Wilson, yeah. who weren't in the template to to a large extent. I know Son the Son versus Kane, it wasn't particularly clear. I think Son was owned by is owned by more people. Um, but still it just kind of shows the value of just having a, those couple of players really who go off when the rest of the template is pretty null and void. Um so yeah. there is I think there is still something in kind of maybe, you know, you'd say those kind of, you know eight or nine potentials in the midfield slots and having just kind of a different, slightly different configuration is uh, something that can set you apart. So yeah, no, cool. Good to hear. Right. Uh, Mini league update. Uh, as I mentioned earlier on, it's two IP four free T. I took a screenshot in 59th minute. Same time as I did the, um, the live FPL updates earlier on to see how our team was doing. So this may have changed a little bit since then. Um, but just to re- reference that at, in first, it's still Daniel Mind with Steadfast FC. He actually only scored 35 points this week. So he's holding on by 
his fingernails basically uh, ryan quinn is herring up behind him all the way up from sixth to second 59 points for ryan um in third robert bob who's been in and around the top 10 all season he's up from 11th to third 64 points this week so quite a few decent scores there in fourth it's joe l with black lives matter 51 points in fifth james Carroll, who still oh, can't believe it just in fifth has entered the league late advised me to buy Reggion this week his team is in fact called losing my Reggion 46 points for James so he's in fifth um, he's in fifth by three points um, so Robert Paul and Dan Byron are both up to sit from 9-15 respectively 49-54 points for them this week in eighth all the way down from third is Graham Murray so a bit of a drop for Graham only 40 points this week in eighth up from 13th it's Money Mace Tor even Pettersson, 52 points. And all the way down from second to 10th is Kevin Walsh, who scored 38 points this week. I think that they might slightly change, um, obviously, because um, we're uh, recording during the Arsenal game, but that's the way it's looking at the moment. And finally, the market forces in this section, Anthony. I, obviously, as I said, it's still ongoing uh, in terms of everything, but I suppose there are a few reactions in the market already in terms of the rise of Bernardo and Kane as well um, falling over the precipice. Yeah, so you hint at it there with Bernardo. The main activity seems to really be amongst the midfielders with Bernardo Silva and Mason Mount being the most bought players uh, so far this game week. Um, but even Dennis is up there. Emmanuel Dennis is up there with them too, uh, kind of making up that top three with them. So Bernardo has about 365k transfers, one for every day of the year. Uh, you've got about 310k transfers for Emmanuel Dennis. And Mason Mount then is at about 130k. So he's just tailing off there in third. After that, it's a real smattering with uh, the likes of uh, Antonio and Ronaldo being popular picks amongst the forwards. Uh, Bowen and Jota, but especially Bowen, who's near 100k transfers in, is one of the more popular midfielders beyond the two listed. And then interestingly, amongst the defenders, it's uh, Rhys James, who's the most transferred in, having been one of the most transferred out last week. And also Reggion, Tom, you'll be happy to see, is the second most transferred in defender. Aaron Ramsdale, just worth noting, he's the most transferred in goalkeeper for like, you know, the upteenth week in a row, it nearly seems. Uh, but he's now up to 5 million, which is just, it's kind of ridiculous for a goalkeeper to have climbed that much just so quietly uh, over the last while. In terms of transfers out then, it's a little bit more scattered in that even Tony is the most transferred out player with about 115k transfers out, but he's followed by Connor Gallagher, Rafinha and Ben Rama. And who are all in and around the same kind of 110k to you know some just are just a little bit short of that. Although Shane Duffy is uh, right up there too with 105k transfers out. After that, it's it's a real smattering again of interest with I guess Alan Maximan and Harry Kane being kind of two interesting ones who are kind of right up there in terms of transfers out with 86, 85k transfers out. Uh, leading the way there in terms of the forwards behind Tony, but still at the same time, it's really about the midfielders where most of the action is with, as we say, Bernardo coming in in a lot of teams and then, you know, a real smattering of midfielders in Gallagher, Rafinha, Benrama heading out. Yeah, it's interesting how these players are 
jumping up the price bracket to some extent. So the likes of Gallagher, the likes of um, Rafinha, the likes of Ben Rama, these are being changed over to Bernardo, Mount and Jota at the moment in terms of the midfielder transfers. I think maybe that will hint at what we're going to talk about in just a minute in terms of how December may kind of shift things a little bit and uh, alter the sort of template perhaps as we see it or at least team setups as we see it and allocation of cash. Right, let's take a break there and move on to the main topic just after this. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and it's time to dip into the main topic this week, which as Anthony mentioned earlier, is how will FPL change in December? Now, it's a huge time in FPL and one I'd characterise as time travelling. So normally these weeks, the weeks, the game weeks in FPL are super spread out. We have them dripping through weekend to weekend, but six game weeks and four calendar weeks are to come. And we come out of the January fixtures in the 20s. Um, so, you know, you very, very rapidly move out. Obviously, we have three game weeks in the week just gone as well. It's the most wonderful time of the year indeed. Here we'll be focusing our efforts on previewing that upcoming period through looking at the teams who are coming into potential purple patches and identifying some key transfer targets for us as FPL changes in what's going to be a very hectic period. Obviously, we may not find time to cover everybody. Nobody wants a two-hour podcast, in my view, uh, but we do our best to cover the, the most personal individuals, the most personal teams. First, I think we should look at some fixture shifts for teams and move into those key men's I've spoken about, and particularly, I think, home in on the question I think we'll all be facing, prioritisation. But first, let's talk teams and fixture shifts which are upcoming. So, I mean, over the next few weeks, I think that there are a few teams who do uh, see some shifts that we should be aware of, or indeed are kind of tapping into or continuing a vein of form, uh, sorry, a vein of fixtures, which are worth kind of keeping an eye on. I mean, which ones, Harry, are you keeping an eye on in terms of uh, players you don't own or players that you do own that you think, oh, I'm maybe going to double up on that team or move around there? So I think there are four real fixture swings that have caught my eye going into this Christmas period. The first one you've got there is Aston Villa. So I actually bought Ollie Watkins last week. So going into that Leicester fixture, thought he could get something against Leicester and how he didn't, I don't quite know. But then going into that nice run of fixtures, I'm quite happy I got ahead of the curve on him. The other two, I think Man City, again, we've known it for a while. They've been on a couple of good games recently, but also this, this Christmas fixture run, they've got Wolves, Leeds, Newcastle. Leicester, Brentford, all in a run there. Really nice. Manchester United, which we'll talk about. And then the two at the bottom again. Watford. I find Watford quite hard to judge. It's a good fixture run. It definitely is. I find their assets quite hard to judge. There's a lot of talk about King and Dennis. Not quite as sold on them as maybe I think others are. And then West Ham at the bottom there. I sold Antonio this week because I think short term it was Chelsea, Burnley, Arsenal, which I think is actually quite difficult, especially with Burnley and Arsenal being away from home. But from game week 18 in particular, then I think Bowen in particular, we can we can have a look at getting in. But yeah, there are definitely some teams going into a very nice run over Christmas for sure. I, I agree. And it's, it's always going to be one of those things which does change up, I believe, how we're going to be looking at our sides, just because there are going to be more targets that come in and ones who may wish to be moving on. Okay, so the, the actual template at the moment is thus, in terms of the top 10K most owned players. Um, you've got Foster and Ramsdale in goal, which won't be surprised by. Uh, Trent, Cancelo, James, obviously. Uh, Alonso's crept in, um, first time centre of the top 10K own him. Livermento, Salah, Jota, Rafinha, Smith-Rowe and Brownhill comprise the midfield. And Tony, Antonio and Kane 
uh, comprise the attack. So obviously you've mentioned that Harry, you've sold Antonio already. Um, Kane, we're going to come on to in just a second, but there are a few names here which showed up in the market forces as well. So Rafinha, uh, Tony as well, obviously used the COVID diagnosis on his way. People were looking at selling Livermento. Obviously Alonso uh, being increasingly um annoying uh, to many people after people thinking he was the, the, the second coming of Ben Chilwell, which sadly he, he doesn't seem to be, does he? And um, I think we should probably just quickly meditate on one particular disaster recently, just because we had a few questions about it, best crystallized by FPL Oakwell, who asked, am I daft to be keeping Kane? Uh, Bryson is down to the, are down to the bare bones unless they're defending like clowns. So, I mean, Kane's fixture run, obviously the last four were the ones uh, where you'll be thinking, yeah, you know, that, that, that's when he's going to be scoring loads of goals, right? Against Everton, Leeds, Brentford and Norwich. No, no, he's not. Um, Spurs are actually okay. So over this Christmas period, they've got Bryson, Leicester, Liverpool, Crystal Palace, Southampton and Watford. And as uh, Oakwell mentions there, Bryson are down quite a few players. I think they've got eight players out, including the three first-choice centre-backs, so Dunk, Webster and Duffy. And I think it would be classic FPL, wouldn't it, if he banged against them when everyone had sold him. Um, and if you look at the data as well for the two of them um, over the last um, four or five game weeks when Conte's, Conte's been in charge, Kane, no goals, no assists, 2.19 XGI, Son, two goals and one assist from 1.47 SGI. So it's, it's quite depressing, really, if you did own Kane. A quick note as well is that I have had a premium striker in my team since the start of the season. Game week five was the last time a premium striker scored for me. That was Ronaldo. Since then, Lukaku, Vardy and Kane have all occupied that slot and all totally blanked. So just maybe a, a reason why you may wish, be wishing to sell Kane. I mean, um, Anthony, would you, if you did own Kane, be looking to sell him on? I know you've got you've got Son. I mean, does the same apply? I guess he's, he's kind of semi, we say he's like a cheap premium, don't we? I mean, the, would you think you'd be selling Kane at the moment? And also, you know, do you have any designs to sell Son? With Kane, I really feel for people who've had him at this point because the arguments can continue to mount up to keep him in your side. But the problem is that the performances and indeed the, the just the goals are just not there. And so like, I personally, it's very easy for me to sit back here and say, oh, sell him because, you know, X, Y, and Z, that nothing is there to back up holding him. But the problem is, is that you do kind of feel like the stars are kind of aligning for him to have a have a big day out at some point soon. And the fact of the matter is, is that we've you know, we've seen with Kane multiple times before where he isn't necessarily in any sign of form, and then he kind of pulls a, a just a huge haul out out of nowhere. And as you say, Tom, there will be a kind of a classic sense of oh, this is just classic FPL that the moment may come just as people are getting frustrated and might consider selling him. From this perspective, I think purely because um, you know the alternative is there to maybe sell on to Ronaldo ahead of Norwich or to sell on to you know somewhere cheaper to start getting onto the city fixture sift or indeed if you haven't got let's say Jota in your side to get him in now that is tempting um, I think overall I would say don't sell but it's it's a bit of a tough one for me to call all right much reckon it is hard because it would be true FPL fashion if he goes and scores against either Brighton or Leicester. But, and I'm sure I, I've been having a lot of debates in my mind about Ronaldo and whether I think he's worth it and whether we should be buying him. If United were playing once a week, 
I think it would be pretty clear for me that a Kane to Ronaldo transfer would be fairly straightforward and almost gives you an opportunity to do it because of the form that Kane is in. But with them playing sort of three times a week now, weekend, midweek, weekend, there's part of me which worries about the minutes that Ronaldo is going to get over that time when you've got the likes of Cavani, Rashford, Martial, Greenwood, all fit and available for selection or wanting to impress a new manager. When there's weekend, midweek, weekend, it wouldn't surprise me if Ronaldo starts two of those and comes off the bench in the game in the midweek. Now, if I want a United asset, it's Ronaldo or or bust for me, really. I don't want any any of the others. I probably would make that move. I just think it feels like such an opportunity to do it. I don't think Spurs have created that much. I expect United to score more goals. My only worry is if United are playing two up front, does it take the focus off Ronaldo a little bit? But I probably would make the move. That makes sense. I get that. I, I think it's just it's probably worth moving on um, if we kind of agreed that obviously Ronaldo, obviously well, Ronaldo and United have that great run of fixtures, which has been well advertised probably right the way until the end of February, I think it is. Um, Man City have got a good run of fixtures too. Uh, Liverpool, um, obviously most people can triple up on them. As we said, Watford and West Ham and Aston Villa as well, um, just after this week they've got Liverpool this week but then they go into a nice run with Norwich Burnley Chelsea or Chelsea not that great uh, but Leeds and uh, Brentford them um, moving into perhaps what the top targets may be for us um, which could be worth just uh, meditating on for the rest of this particular section um, we had quite a few questions on it as well which should help animate where we're going with this so Thomas Danes uh, Tom Danes he said earlier on this week question for the pod uh, Kane to Ronaldo is an easy move but is it the right one uh, which Harry's just spoken about and the kind of agreed ha- uh, Ronaldo Lukaku Kane merry-go-round has considered has delivered no goals since Ronaldo in game week five that's completely true that's my that's my experience as well and um, he says if you've got two free transfers should you be looking at midfield instead so you know City assets Bowen Mount, even back to some. Uh, FPL Jack, um, he asks if avoiding Man City, Man United assets altogether is a viable strategy or is it just too risky? Um, Benny Blanco comes in and he asks, ear lads. No, I can't do it. I can't live with that accent. Ear lads. Lads, how does, it, how does it even go? I don't even know. And um, he asks, are you nice to wait and see, even with the great fixtures, until we get an idea on the best assets under Ralph? And finally, FPL Captain Fell, I think, asked a question which I wanted somebody to ask. I think that this most person here. What would you prioritise to buy? A Man City mid or Man Nice assets? And perhaps that extends further outwards. Um, shall we take... Should we continue on with the uh, discussion about the the premium strikers first and Man United in general, just because I think that that is kind of where people have all been looking because that is what has been telegraphed for quite a while. The United have this you know, amazing run. Now, I'm very much between the I'll jump on this new manager bounce with the fixtures in play state of mind, and also the we'll wait and see. They've been terrible this year, state of mind. I mean, there's an argument that they'll take time to develop that offensive understanding and how uh, Rangnick wants to play. And I'm sure he'll look to shore up the defence. Like, I'm sure it wouldn't bother him if the next 10 games are all one nils or nil nils. I mean, in terms of their data, attacking-wise, they're in the kind of the upper middle. So some, a fair way behind the top three, the same sort of um, expected goal involvements as you know, West Ham, Leicester and Southampton, oddly, and defensively we're seven from bottom in terms of defences. So the same sort of defensive numbers thus far as the likes of Leeds, Newcastle and Burnley. Anthony, uh, your team United, I mean, what approach are you taking with them? 
Personally, I'm going to hold off for another while, but I have mistimed my Ronaldo pickups um, all through this season. So <laughs> perhaps this undermines my authority on this completely. Basically, yeah, I think for me it is, I just want to see more about what it is Rangnick is trying to do with United than just one game. The Palace game started well, kind of descended a little bit, you know, still ended up being a 1-0 win. And so... Eh. Just in the overall scheme of things, as Harry mentioned it as well, just one of my concerns would be Ronaldo's minutes. And whilst there's a good lead into this game, there isn't the same after that. Like United play again the on Tuesday, the 14th of December at Brentford. So you kind of have to wonder, will Ronaldo's game time be limited to the point that you might get burnt in one of those two fixtures? You'd probably guess the latter rather than the former. But that is one of the many reasons that put me off as much as I just team structure wise, I can't get to Ronaldo. When we spoke last week about United um, ahead of Ranić taking, really taking over. Um, it was the midfielders at United that really interested me. Uh, Rashford was the one that I identified. I maintained that after one game, um, but we haven't seen enough for me to know where to go. Like obviously it was Greenwood who got an assist, but you know, I wouldn't read into that, you know, off the bench. So, I, I basically the whole entire Man United project is still a wait and see for me, but there is a clear opportunity there to really capitalize on Ronaldo getting an absolute haul against a still weak, still pretty shambolic Norwich team if um, if he manages to just get the 90 minutes or even 60. I think I don't think he'll be playing young boys. I mean, obviously, this may be completely outdated and laughable by the time um, you know, Wednesday rolls around, but I don't think he'll be playing that game. So I think you'll probably no. It's the that's what I'm thinking. It's the Norwich game is where he'll get the time. But I, I, be, I fear for the Brent. I fear for the Brentford one then too, though. It's like, do you just give him sixty and sixty, or even less than sixty and sixty, to try and get him involved both times? Ranić's tone shifted completely since the last podcast, where. Um, sure. previously all we really had were quotes to rely on from previous times where he kind of had been pointing out how Ronaldo wouldn't really fit into his uh, style or whatever and now all of a sudden he was talking about you know, never seen a 36 year old like this guy etc uh, etc et <laughs> yeah. et it's like okay Ralph like chill man so we we don't really know um, exactly what's going to happen with Ronaldo and that just it does make me reticent but it's no. easy for me to say I can't get him in easily yeah, no fair play. I mean, I've got I've got the perfect money from to go from Kane to Ronaldo, and that's kind of what I set up to do. And now I'm kind of doubting it perhaps a little bit, just because obviously there's a doubt in the back of your mind about, as you said, will he play particularly the Brentford game because that is uh, three days after uh, the Norwich game on the 14th, and then there's probably requisite rest between the Brentford game and the Brighton game for you to think, okay, he's at least going to play Norwich and Brighton plus whatever you, whatever you can get uh, from Brentford. I mean, are there any other kind of options there, though? I mean, we've kind of bandied around the likes of Sancho. Uh, Rashford appears to be playing up top and obviously uh, in the sort of vernery sort of position, if you think about Leipzig as like a... um, uh, as kind of an analogy for how United can set up, uh, maybe even you know the likes of Greenwood or at the back Dallow. Uh, people have been saying four point four. He could be one who kind of go in. I know uh, Nima, our friend Harry, he's on the on wildcard at the moment. He's going mad for Dallow. I mean, any other characters surrounding the United team that you think are worth um, consideration other than the big man himself? No, so quite interestingly, when we look at, I know it's happened when Klopp came in, when Tuchel came in, and then when Conte came in, when teams are not performing well, often the first thing that they sort out is their defensive numbers before trying to lead into, you know, goal scorers. And it happened with Tuchel, the first couple of games for Spurs, although Spurs is 
hard one to judge. And it happened when Klopp came in at Everton and then they, at Liverpool, and then they became a big goal scoring team. I, I really like Dallow. I just want to see a couple more games before before I go and buy him. There was that. There's the left back at Tavares at Arsenal, which I again was getting a bit excited about him being. 4.3 and starting I, f- I worry that Dallow is going to fall into the same sort of vein of vein of sort of fate and he's not going to play every week it's a bit of a concern I only want Ronaldo at the moment if I get him I have to sell Son which is the big debate for me Son against Brighton and Leicester or I sell him and it allows me to get Ronaldo it's pretty straightforward it would be Wilson and Son to Ronaldo and Bowen it's a pretty straightforward two free transfers for me. It's just whether I think Ronaldo is worth it over the next couple to to get him in. I don't think there's consistent enough starts or consistent enough performances for the price for any of the others in midfield. When you can get a Bruno Fernandes for seven and a half, when you can get a Bowen for six and a half, I'm not paying nine and a half for, for Marcus Rashford. Okay. No. Yeah. That's interesting actually that the Bruno Fernandes has been kind of discarded and you Bernardo Silva mm. or whoever would be kind of ahead of him for you. I know now he hasn't had the performances and obviously he comes with the price tag, but it does seem to me from just, you know, the evidence of one game that there is an em- an emphasis being placed on him to play in a slightly different style to previously under Ole. Yeah, yeah. I mean I, I think it I think it's just because obviously you look at what people who don't think about it's a massive uh, amount of depth would do and you know they probably see that Kane has not done any goals and Ronaldo could do some goals against Norwich and also but it's Ronaldo and so I can completely understand why people are looking at him that's for sure and uh, but by all accounts um it just seemed like he it didn't it didn't quite fall for him more than anything versus Palace there's like a couple of chances where he can get the ball out of his feet um and you, you got to think that every attack will eventually end up in and around him effectively. So, I mean, not, you might obviously need your bench perhaps in the Brentford game. And I think over the Christmas period on the 28th, um, maybe you might see that even Newcastle with the Burnley game, or maybe even the, the Wolves game on game on New, on New Year's Day, you may see some rotation there. But I mean, maybe we should look at Fernandez a little bit as well. And um, just to mention quickly, he actually is eighth overall this season for expected goal involvement, which is according to stats bomb which is still pretty decent um, and will he play um every minute of those fixtures almost definitely yes he could be another one that you could throw into the conversation but probably his price um will be, be a bit prohibitive i'm surprised though so i think i think i was expecting there to be at least one person who was saying oh yeah no we should definitely go for uh, ronaldo or go for united asset but the sobriety about how good united could be is surprising Maybe it is because we are all sober that we're not very excited by United. I mean, I personally have spent many years of my FPL existence hoping United break down the team who are playing in a low block and being very, very upset that they've been unable to. Um, So I completely buy that. And plus, you know, if I'm captaining Salah for the next X amount of time, do I need to be paying 12.X million for Ronaldo with all those caveats also um, in consideration? Hmm. Maybe not. There is one player, though, um, and Harry, you just mentioned him, Jared Bloody Bowen, um, who has been of interest to me for quite a while. He's always been quite eye-catching when you watch him play, but he's never been able to actually produce the data to make him interesting. I had a look at FB Ref earlier in terms of where they are, where they are, West Ham are, and where he is in terms of the data. And I was really surprised. So West Ham, unsurprisingly, are fifth for expected goal involvements of all teams this season thus far. A lot of it obviously has dined out 
on the first kind of three or four game weeks of the season. But Bowen himself is actually sixth for expected goal involvement amongst all players now with 7.1. I was surprised by this. I was really surprised by this. He's got better goal involvement, expected goal involvement, that is, than likes of Vardy, Bruno, Phil Foden, CR7, Son, even Josh King. Uh, Ronaldo's still in fourth. Um, but he has that really good underlying data, which complements a great price, 6.4, as I said a minute ago. He's had his rest a couple of games ago, and he's got great fixtures over Christmas, as we discussed earlier on. Burnley, Arsenal, Norwich, Southampton, Watford and Crystal Palace. Arsenal just got beaten 2-1 by bloody Everton. Anyone can beat them. Like Anyway, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm again going into it. But uh, Roshan Thomas in The Athletic this week, uh, correspondence too. Uh, he was saying that Ronaldo, uh, that Antonio and Bowen uh, combined dovetail really effectively in the way they saw off your side Chelsea, um, and you know, obviously their energy and chasing loose balls is a big part of it. Will they be able to keep it up over Christmas? Who knows? Um, but that really nice price for Bowen is definitely catching my eye, uh, especially because I've got Rafinha, who obviously you know ex lively, amazing on the ball, um, but I can make that swap really, really easily. He's Bowen in closing one of those players I've really liked for quite a while but there's never quite been the days to back him up but now there is um, and I really like the idea of bringing him in I was really surprised by that data point Anthony and it looked like you were too yeah I actually watched the full 90 minutes for that uh, West Ham Chelsea game at the weekend and I was thinking back to myself very much discarding Bowen um, on the last podcast kind of the data uh, it didn't seem as clear to me in the last podcast um, as it seems now about Bowen. <laughs> That's not just about the the old hindsight um, coming in. It's just purely even on the expected points data. Just I'm on uh, Fantasy Football Hub here. And in terms of expected points over the last few weeks amongst midfielders, he is now the sixth best. So you've got Salamana Jada ahead of him. And then it's Trossard, Bernardo Silva and Bowen. So it's like you can, you know, weigh in what you want about the the XG and the XA and how that influences that particular those particular stats. And if you go somewhere else, you'll find slightly different data. But what you find here is that he's kind of pretty much on target in terms of the number of goals he's had. He's probably overperformed in terms of assists. But as you say, some of his assists that he gets, they you know, they some of them aren't necessarily through ball playing. They're just through chasing down cul-de-sacs, you know, happening to be the last person who touches the ball before it gets to someone else. Some of them are then actually good play as well. He takes on shots. He's not afraid to have a speculative effort, but he does also get, as you say, well set up by the likes of Antonio. And so, look, there is an awful lot there in his favour. And maybe if we're moving away from Antonio and want to have West Ham cover uh, going into this next, you know, into this run of fixtures, he does seem like a... A pretty good option. I think why he's so compelling is that that seems to be the price point that a lot of people are selling. So we saw quite a few players, as you, you mentioned, Rafinha, Tom. He was one of those who was in the market force in that area. And you've got you know, Burnley, Arsenal. Okay, they could be tough games being away, as you said, Harry. But at the same time, you'd fancy West Ham to pick up one. And then, of course, you've got Norwich, Southampton, both at home and Watford. That kind of takes you through to the end of this calendar year. None of those are bad fixtures. Um, as your third slash fourth midfielder, I think he seems to be providing a good case to be an option, competing with the likes of Emil Smith-Rowe, who obviously missed out in the Everton game, but hopefully should be back and who has been performing very well in terms of points, but the underlying data would support Bowen more so than him. Uh, don't forget as well, Antonio's first return in six weeks with an amazing assist. Um, I think he's being played a bit more as a foil now with teams planning for him, opening up that space for Bowen. Are you interested in the young Jared, uh, young Harry? Yeah, I, I really am. And 
as much as it pained me, him performing so well at the weekend and us dropping points, he looked so good. And the way he does link up with Antonio and the way he charges around the pitch, I I can see him scoring plenty of points going into the Christmas period. There's been a lot of talk about him, I think, but it's been with a caveat of, yeah, but they've got difficult fixtures. Let's wait for the fixtures to turn. And then he seemed to get this haul just as those fixtures are now beginning to turn and it's all coming together in a bit of a sort of whirlwind effect all around Jared Bowen, where there's these other midfielders which were all wanting to selling, wanting to sell. He's performed well over the past sort of six, seven weeks and then got this massive haul. I'd be surprised if I go into this week without him, whether it's in replace of Son in order to free up money to go Ronaldo or it's just Gallagher up to Bowen. Either of these two routes, I think, make a lot of sense depending on whether I want Ronaldo. But I think I'll have Bowen. I always knew when I took Antonio out on Friday, I knew that Bowen in was definitely going to be an option for me and it could easily happen this week. Um, So, yeah, I do definitely like him. I, I think that he, I'm almost kind of thinking about doing him in, I wish I could do him in for Gallagher, but I can't quite do it. So I, I really do, would like him in for Rafinha and I may even do that above taking the hit for Kane to Cristiano Ronaldo, but you know, I, I know I'm like, I might end up taking the hit when I'm Friday. I know I won't because it's a Friday deadline, but hey. Uh, so you've got one player on one hand who is you know statting very well. Another player though, um, who is not statting particularly well, but is still performing very well, is obviously Bernardo Silva, um, who is dominating the market forces. Oh, and uh, his expected data is is just, you can see why Analytics FC in particular on Twitter don't like him very much. He's actually 24th overall for expected goal involvement in the Premier League, according to Statsbomb. Seven goals and one assist from 5.4 XGI. So there's one FPL assist in there. So you're looking at about, 3.60 performance, something like that. Compare that to Gundogan in 11th um, in terms of expected goal involvement, for example. 6.5, he's got three goals and one assist plus one FPL assist. You're looking at 1.5 underperformance for Gundogan. Harry's man, I'm sure we'll hear about him in just a minute. Um, but with Bernardo, just to kind of mention him a little bit, I did watch match today and I thought, yeah, I can see why people watching this are going to be probably just going on the phone and going, right, I'm going to buy this guy. Um, and if I'd had another stout on Saturday night, I may well have done it. I didn't do it. With me, for me, with Bilva or Bernardo, my question, if the data isn't stacking up to the results that he's getting, is where is he on the bandwagon life cycle? Like I'm thinking about Lingard last year, for example. I got him in with three returns to go and something he dried up because all of a sudden, you know, it just wasn't sustainable where he was going. Ings kind of two or three years ago, I think it was. I only really got him at the very end and I didn't get any of his points really. I just don't know where he is in terms of that kind of inevitable life cycle of a bandwagon. Like, are his best points already behind him? We did mention as well, of course, that Man City, they are Man City, so any fixture, they're the bad fixture. But in this calendar year, Wolves, Leeds, Newcastle, Leicester, Brentford, Arsenal, like all of them are probably likely to be swatted aside. Let's uh, make no bones about it. Is it worth bringing in this guy? Is it worth getting that midfielder in? Or is it better to be buying someone like Bowen and just think, you know what? The points can be so spread out anyway. It's like putting, well, money into Pep Roulette. So I might as well get someone who's a bit more nailed. Well, it's Bill Verisnailed, isn't he? X-Mins. Harry, the Gundawan owner. Um, 
you said earlier on, you expect you were kind of, you wish you had some sort of divine intervention to make you buy Bill, but obviously the points were all there. Are you at any point going to be thinking, you know what, I'm going to move Gundo on for Bilver or are you kind of leaving it as it is? If I'd had a few more beers on Saturday night after the game, it may well have happened, but luckily, luckily <laughs> I didn't. I kept kept my head a little bit. I, I think a lot of it comes down to that ex-mins part of it. And now buying into Pep Roulette is always difficult, but I do feel the way he talks about Bernardo Silva and the way he's playing, you know, he is not apparently in the squad to play in the Champions League tomorrow night, which you would expect means he's fine to start probably the next three Premier League games, the way he's playing. And I don't have the confidence in anyone else in that side to get that amount of minutes. So it's like buying a buying a lottery ticket, but I sort of know that I've got a ticket each and every week to that sort of to those Manchester City points. Gundogan again, yes, he might start, and yes, his underlying numbers are better. But he got taken off at sixty minutes. He looks like he's going in the Champions League as well. There is just a chance that you know one of the next three he doesn't play. So although his underlying stats playing two out of three may be better. I then don't have the ticket to the third third sort of merry-go-round that it is when you buy into a Manchester City player. I'm trying not to move sideways, but I have seen that I've got enough money for it. I don't plan on doing it maybe a couple of weeks if we continue to see it going this way, but at the moment I'm going to hold hold firm on Gundogan. For me personally, I just, I'm still where I was last week with Bernardo, where I just, whilst okay, yeah, the goals are there. I, I kind of do wonder if, we're looking at the the end of a cycle rather than the the middle of one. And that's what puts me off. And to be perfectly honest with you, whilst we're saying right now that Bernardo Silva is nailed, this is usually the mistake that we make, you know, just when things turn, not necessarily saying he's going to get dropped anytime soon, but it's just like, I'm not sure if I want to buy into this lottery, like a brace on Bernardo Silva's stats is stunning, you know, overperformance really. You're talking about, you know, scoring from, you know, all of or nearly all of his shots. Uh, that's kind of unsustainable. I think you're going to find that teams are going to start making sure that they're keeping an eye on him more and more and more. And this is going to slow down. And so from my perspective, I'm, I'd like to look elsewhere. Maybe this is me justifying my own decision not to go for him and hoping that, you <laughs> here we go again, that he finds a way to get goals. But it's, it's yeah, it's, it's the overperformance that gets me, and uh, no more than Harry was saying that you know he might just wait uh, as it goes to Bernardo. And it, look, if if this continues right up to you know for another two three game weeks, then it becomes unavoidable. But you you have to feel that you know someone like Foden is going to just start getting his game time. He obviously got an assist at the weekend, a seven pointer. That you know there's there's a seventeen in there once he gets the time, and. I think I'd rather start trying to find a way to get him into my side because I reckon he'll probably in the end get about as many games over the Christmas period as Bernardo Silva. If you don't look at this in the next like six games, um, that sounds okay to me. Yep. Phil Foden, 0.86 expected goal involvements per 90. It's pretty difficult to argue with, isn't it? The old mm-hmm. boy, boy wonder. I know he's being outshone at the moment, obviously costs a bit more, uh, but I think there's certainly a point to be made there. Speaking of boy wonders, quickly, while Harry's on as a Chelsea fan, um, a sneaky pick of Mason Mount, I see people kind of moving towards. And I can kind of see why as well. I mean, you've got decent fixtures, haven't you, over the Christmas period? Uh, nothing to be worried about, really, uh, until Liverpool on New Year's Day. Leeds, Everton, Wolves, Aston Villa and Brighton. Um, 
Alonso is obviously a steaming pile of turd, but you're still the top three for XGI. And people, a lot of people do have a double Chelsea defence at the moment. I mean, I'd probably prefer Rudiger like Anthony's got, but people do have that. Um, and the next couple of games, particularly Leeds, that defence is absolutely decimated. Calvin Phillips and um, Cooper both limped out of the game. And Everton, I've written here awful, but they did beat Arsenal. So that probably makes them kind of, fairly adequate now uh, but nonetheless two defences that haven't exactly covered themselves in glory I mean do you think that there's any kind of call for adding a third Chelsea player or a second Chelsea player Mason Mount I mentioned to you earlier as well I've had some rogue thoughts about Lukaku uh, potentially as well but it might be too soon for him right I find it very difficult and I'm one of those football fans as much as I look at the underlying stats I actually hate picking players from my own team now you often see a lot of like United fans Chelsea fans picking a lot of players from their team but I'm completely the opposite the past few weeks we've not looked nearly as good as I think we did in maybe the few weeks before both from a defensive point of view with Kante being out and Chilwell sort of going at the same time it's put a little bit of a spanner in the works I think the fixtures are not bad but if you look at them compared to Liverpool's and Manchester City's, for example, like away at Wolves, away at a new this new Villa side in, in a couple of game weeks' time again. I don't think they're quite as straightforward as maybe some of those other games for like Manchester City, for example. Again, it's just, it goes back to the sort of X-Men's argument that I don't see any of our front three being started three games out of three when we play in such a fixture congestion. We've got Ziyech, who I have arguments about whether he's been any good this season or not, but he can play out on the same side as Mount. He can play, sorry, he can play out on the left. We've got Hudson-Odoi, we've got Pulisic, we've got Werner, we've got Havertz. All of these forwards are now fit and sort of fighting for about three places. So although Mason Mount, when he plays, is good and he can finish like he did at the weekend, he's not going to score a goal like that every week. When you just look at a player, I think like Bowen or the City midfielders or Shotter, for example, I would just be backing them before I went and backed Mason Mount. And Lukaku, I think, when over the past few weeks where we've not had him, it's shown to Google that we're capable of playing him, playing without him. And we don't need to run him into the ground as much as maybe we did at the start and playing him every other week. He'll actually be better than if we play him every week. So again, I worry that none of our players will start the sort of six, more than four out of six over Christmas. Oh, fair play, fair play. So move to the end of this section. How will FPL change in December? I think we answered all the questions that we were asked earlier on in terms of Tom Danes about the strikers, Jack and Benny about the Man United players. But FPL Captain Fell's question about prioritisation, I think is a good question to end on here. How will FPL change in December? Well, we've mentioned a few players and a few teams could come into consideration. But prioritisation, unless you've, kind of are a bit of a soothsayer or you've been holding on to Ronaldo or, you know, you're a big West Ham fan. You've had two, you've had Bowen and Antonio for a while. Um, I think what's really interesting here is how you move from kind of the players you've got at the moment to these players. And if you're not on wildcards, which way are you going to go first? I mean, the market force obviously are kind of speaking for themselves in some ways um, with Bernardo, uh, predominantly being um, the apex of what people are doing. And I know we mentioned Dennis earlier, we've got questions on Watford in just a bit. So that's why that bit has gone into the second section. But I mean, which one are you guys prioritising? It sounds like, Harry, you're kind of thinking about Bowen first and then potentially Ronaldo, if you can be convinced. Am I right on that? Yeah, I think, well, Bowen, partly because I like him, but partly because 
if I go Ronaldo, I also get Bowen at the same time. There are only three players, I think, that I'm willing to buy this week. One being a Watford forward, one being Ronaldo, and one being Bowen. And Bowen is the easiest and falls into practically all the plans for include Bowen because of his price. So he's probably top of the list, though, yeah. Interesting. I think I'm far less decided than you are so far, Harry. I, I admire your ability to list off three players and just say, this is it. This is it for me. Uh, whereas for me, I'm like, OK, yes, I do kind of appreciate what's going on with Bowen. But I've kind of I've only just moved the deck chairs around on the really what is the Titanic that is my team uh, at that price point quite recently. And I'm, I'm kind of I, I made my decisions with my transfers there, you know, hoping that they were to hold on to them a little bit more. And so that's basically holding on to Smith Rowe and then putting the money up into the more expensive midfielders like Salah and Son and I guess Jota as well thrown in. The one who I would be probably identifying out of the list still remains Phil Foden. And I appreciate that that's getting really into the lottery, but he's the midfielder that sticks out for me as City go into that particularly good run of fixtures. After that, I'm still thoroughly undecided on Ronaldo and I'm on United generally. And so with that in mind, I think it's just I'm I'm pro template for another few weeks of December and maybe just trying to catch up to that and making the little tiny adjustments, as you say, around the fringes to hopefully, hopefully get some green arrows. Uh, I really like. Sorry, I really like Foden. It's just it is very difficult for me to get him in. So it's more a team structure thing. If I could get Foden before Bernardo, I would. He would be top of my Man City options, I think. Interesting. I I also think in fairness for myself that if it was easier to get Ronaldo in, I think I'd consider it more actively. But because he's just, it's it's a million miles away from me. It's just so hard to kind of Mm. take that risk, let's say. I think that's just it, isn't it? It's, it's where you've kind of found yourself at this time. And I think a lot of that's going to affect how much you're willing to invest. So as I said, Kane to Ronaldo, I can do. Rafinha to Bowen, I can do. It's just whether I do, which one I do, or if I do both, effectively. I mean, I, from doing the research for this pod and from hearing kind of uh, what Harry was saying as well, from watching him play, um, and just from me mentioning him sporadically and liking him for a long time, I, I really do like the idea of getting Bowen in. Do I have the stomach for one more round of cane destruction? Um, and do I have the stomach to deal with the Ronaldo FOMO um, against Norwich? I don't know. Um, I, I really don't know. Um, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Right. Okay. Uh, let's take a break there. Um, good discussion, guys. Move on to the correspondence and a shorter, uh, due to the fact that we had loads of questions there, uh, question section uh, just after this. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Right, so we're back. And it's a correspondence, as I mentioned a second ago, a slightly shorter set of listener questions this week because obviously a lot of them went into the main body of the pub. Let's get to the correspondence then. Anthony, bounce. Oh, bouncing on cue. It's the correspondence section where listeners can send in their more in-depth thoughts, questions, addendums to previous pods or indeed poetry or songs to who got the assist at gmail.com or wherever else that you know how to reach us and it was fpl sis who did that this week via email he said all right lads the wing back shrine of a pod got me thinking of the wider fpl context and how the game is or should be evolving like a prime junior firpo i have long known that fullbacks are higher value assets due to their multiple avenues for points but with more and more managers, Klopp, Tuchel, Guardiola, Conte, Potter, and even now Stevie G, using their defenders like wingers, should they be reclassified as midfielders? Then, if we start that route, should high-profile forwards, the likes of Salah, Son, Foden, and Greenwood, be reclassified as forwards? 
Could we then stop the extinction of centre-backs with their obsolete defensive midfielder counterparts? Or would this impact on the wider game with limited selection of attacking assets? Could an enforced position selection policy negate this? Or am I overcomplicating what we know is a flawed game, but we return to season on season for more? Much love and, and much love from a confused FPL Sizz. So thanks very much, Sizz, for getting that particular bit of correspondence in. I think, lads, if I was to summarise the question, it's, you know, has the game changed to the point that the positions make no sense and that, you know, maybe FPL need to reconsider how the positions are set out because defenders are midfielders, midfielders are forwards, and then there's just a bunch of defenders and defensive midfielders that we're completely ignoring. Uh, What this gets at, isn't it, is the difference between FPL as a game and football. And football has obviously evolved, as we've mentioned. We've mentioned this times out of number on the pod, and FPL hasn't evolved with it simply. And there's an antiquated setup in FPL. I think we will acknowledge that. And there's been lots of fun examples of players changing positions and changing back as well over the past few years. So Zaha, who's moved positions a couple of times. Aubameyang was midfielder last year, don't forget. James Milner was defender once. And reaching further back in time, you've got players as well who didn't change position, even though they probably should have. So Alexis Sanchez was pretty much playing number nine for United for quite a while, according to the heat maps, but he never got changed over. So that's one way they try to kind of respond to how football has evolved. And if you look at other games, admittedly ones that you pay for and they're kind of developed a little bit better, games like Football Manager, for example, have evolved to reflect that difference. So, for example, back in Championship Manager days, you assigned your players, squad members, 1 to 11 to decide who was going to be in the team. Um, You don't do that anymore. You just fit players into a formation that you create. And Pep Guardiola has actually said recently, well, not recently, but he has said that formations are nothing more than phone numbers to him. And if you watch Man City, that's kind of true. And ideally what I'd like is, I guess, like a reconfiguration of positions to encompass the differing roles players play. But back to what I said a second ago, players move positions as systems change and managers change too. I guess I don't think FPL can be updated in the season like dynamically in the way that we'd like them to. Um, but something like, you know, wing backs, defensive mids and centre backs being re- rewarded uniquely would be very nice indeed. Like one thing I've said in the past, long-term listeners remember, is saying that, you know, we should maybe give up more bonus points and defensive actions for example for midfielders could be rewarded so imagine you've got like a 5.0 defensive midfielder who suddenly averages four points per game rather than two points per game if they're at a big club wouldn't that be something a really interesting value proposition if you've got five bonus points to get allocated you know, two or three kind of go to these defensive sort of players um and you then have a debate of is it worth just having one of those players in my team just leaving them there for quite a while because they're going to be generating three or four points per week i think that that could make really interesting trade-offs people have to do uh, but you could make it a bit more sky and you could make it even further down the complexity sort of spectrum and make it like fancy bundesliga when you've got a plethora of ways to get points i guess unfortunately i think fundamentally what we can say what we like, basically, but the brass tax is that that engaged hardcore really isn't who FPL are marketing to. It's not the game for us in a lot of ways. It's your everyman, isn't it? Your casual player. And the simplicity, the pick up and play of FPL is its main selling point. I think if things got more complex, I guess they get more confusing or be seen to be more confusing to new players. And I just simply don't think there's the appetite in FPL Towers to change things up too much. Um, we've had the same chips for many years. Maybe that could change again soon. Hopefully it will, but I, I 
very much doubt it. We've had the same opaque pricing system for many years in terms of price rises and falls in the economy. Like, the simplicity is a huge plus for, for them and a huge plus for the majority of the player base. So I just don't see it being shaken up anytime soon, but it's always fun to consider. So I've, I've rambled for a while. I'm sorry. <laughs> in summary, do I think FPL should reflect modern football? Yes. Do I think FPL will reflect modern football in time soon? No, but I'll still play it anyway, as Sis said. Sorry about that. I've, I've rambled on for ages. Um, Harry, what do you reckon there? I, I think it's similar. You would hope that the prices that they're given reflects it to some extent. I still think there could be a bigger gap between some of the centre-backs and their wing-back counterparts. Like, I still think Van Dijk at you know, five and a half, really trying to put a centre-back at a cheaper price could make things interesting rather than a you know a six and a half centre back in Van Dyke is just it's never it's never really gonna it's gonna take a lot for him to ever get picked. You know, CDMs, whoever they're playing for should be, you know, a maximum of of five, even four and a half, even if they're starting every week again, just to try and give them a little bit of more of importance in the game. But I think the CDM one is a difficult one. Someone like you've got your Kantes, your Declan Rices, who are some of the best footballers in the in the league and they are completely irrelevant to the game, but it's the difference between you're playing FPL and it's, it is not exactly as, as real football is. So I don't expect it to change. I'm quite enjoy the game as it is. It's just, you have to learn to pick players that are good at FPL and not necessarily good at football. Yep. Alonso, yeah. terrible at football, but a good FPL asset. Terrible at football. <laughs> So yeah, I, I, you're dead right there, Harry. I think it is just that, you know, FPL is going to be flawed. I think no matter what it is that they do to the game and no matter how they structure things or no matter how they call the positions out. And so with that in mind, there is an extent that, okay, yeah, we can agree with that there is an issue here. But at the same time, I'm not sure if there is any such thing as a perfect solution. Maybe I've touched on this a little bit before. So just an interesting thing maybe to finish this section is that the way Italy showed us how football is developing at the Euros, I think, is very pertinent for this question. Under Mancini, more so, I think, than any team we've really seen so far, we've started to see this idea that teams are trying to structure themselves so that they have maybe a spine of players who have a set position, goalkeeper, a centre-back, maybe someone in midfield. But after that, everyone needs to be able to rotate and change and move and to counteract everyone else's movements as they go. And so in Italy, they've started to really change their founding principles in terms of how they coach players and you know they they coach them in build up play with the creativity in the final third and then depth like just the use of space without the ball and these are kind of the four principles they call them carp construzione ampieza rifinatura and profondità all right all I right calm down, i can't speak italian i can't speak italian so those are just attempts but uh, these are the principles that they try to instill as opposed to positions or as opposed to certain formations. And I guess Spinazzola was the classic example of that. But maybe even in a very kind of small um, example, we even see under Guardiola with Cancelo or even under Klopp with how Trent Alexander-Arnold moves and shimmers around the place, kind of depending on the game state. Uh, other teams are starting to embrace this more and more and more. But that Italy side were very much at the cutting edge of it so far. And so, yeah, FPL might be under even more pressure to develop as time goes on. But anyway, thanks very much to FPL Sis for sending in that particular email. He emailed who got the assist at gmail.com to feature in this correspondence section. You two should do the same, I suggest. So thanks very much, Sis. Cool. Excellent. Excellent. As I said, I 
truncated end section uh, this time. Um, the first question is from uh, Manic Stoic, um, who asks about Triple City, just following up from kind of earlier on. Um, he just simply asks who, why, and are any of them captaincy options? So you, you get this every year, don't you, where people kind of think, you know what, Man City, they're the best attacking team in the league. Well, actually, Liverpool are the best attacking team at the moment, but they're second... Um, I think they're about kind of last week said they're about 10 XG behind Liverpool, something like that. I think it's kind of got a little bit smaller now. Um, but people look at the new fixtures and think, yeah, you know what, I'm going to go all in, have you know, Gundogan, Foden, and have one of the defenders. I mean, we've all got Cancelo at the moment, for example. I mean, I'm sure that we're not going to be captaining them this year, are we? Because there's no Kevin De Bruyne, no central attacker. But I mean, if we were looking at Man City's treble up, who would they be? And would we ever like seriously considering it, guys? Harry, where are you on this? I'm quite happy just owning two of them in Cancelo and then one of the midfielders. I can understand at their price when you look at them at seven and a half million, why having two of them when they've just come off a nice rosy week, but you think, oh, great, I can own two Manchester City midfielders and they're going to start and they're going to score me 15 points every week because Manchester City score more goals than most other teams in the league. However, you know that the week will come where either one of them, if not both of them, will be on the bench and you will look back and probably think, is it is it worth buying into two of them? I don't think it's completely crazy. If I went for a triple up, it would be Dublin midfield with probably Foden and Bernardo Silva at the moment. But I'm quite happy with just the one midfielder. So interestingly, in, in terms of goals, as you say, Tom, City are the second best team. They're now six point or 5.8 behind uh, Liverpool. So Liverpool 39 XG, Man City 33.2. But in terms of defence, the City team is you know by far and away the best. They're about 4.3 goals ahead of Liverpool with the second best defence or expected to concede 10.1 and Liverpool with 14.4. And indeed, City have actually outperformed that um, particular uh, XG. They've only conceded nine. So with that in mind, the two that I would first say would be Cancelo, of course, followed by Ederson, because I still think that that double up in defence is probably the way to go. The the fixtures uh, indeed do corroborate that. And then I will crucify myself by not saying that Jesus should be the third one that you pick. And I still think it would be Foden of the three that I would you know, pick up on of the attackers. OK, yes, Bilva has the points recently. We've talked about that. Uh, Foden just if he gets on at all it's just so so likely to return that it really helps and that's it really helps what an understatement that's what it's about FPL picking players who return and Foden does that <laughs> yeah no, I, I'd certainly underline the defence I was thinking you know well Diaz Walker Edison oh Edison Anthony I could do another goalkeeper transfer get to five in one season oh my um, but yeah, no, I think that I definitely I've got Cancelo at the moment. Um, I will have that FOMO about the City midfielder. It's just I can't really get to one without serious work. Um, I think probably I would kind of default to Gundogan at the moment, or, or one of Gundogan, Foden, or Bilver at the moment, um, and probably go for double defence if I did triple up. Um, as it stands, the likeliest double that I will go to is double defence. Um, probably go with Walker or something like that. I know he offers not very much, but I think he offers about as much as Diaz does, who offers about as much as Edison does. So you're basically paying for the clean sheets. So I want to pay as little as possible. Maybe if Stones or um, Laporte makes that role their own, but that's looking very unlikely. Um, oh yeah, I 
I think with the kind of the fact that you've got loads of more nailed options in that midfield spot, I wouldn't be too upset about just having one of those midfielders and having a double the double defence around this sort of time probably is fine. Uh, to be honest, you are likely to get a clean sheet. Well, you think you're fifty fifty percent likely to get a clean sheet basically with fantasy the whole time. Uh, just to keep the ball a lot, basically. So yeah, are we going to triple up? Probably not. If we were going to triple up, where would we go? Well, probably look to the defence if it was me. Right, next question, the Watford duo. Um, so Harry, you mentioned earlier on, of course, um, that um, very interesting, the Watford forward. Um, and we said, obviously we voiced over a little bit, but Watford have got a nice little run actually. Um, okay, they play Spurs on New Year's Day, but the rest of this calendar year, Brentford, Burnley, Crystal Palace, Wolves and West Ham. Uh, West Ham maybe is actually the top picture at the moment, but certainly next three or four are pretty decent. Um, FPL, hint, un, FPL unhinged, I should say, uh, with the Watford strikers now the obvious route from Tony. Who wins the King Dennis battle? Now there's only 0.1 million between them. The Watt forwards. So, I mean, the last time we spoke, Dennis was um, significantly cheaper than King. I think it was 0.3 million cheaper. So it kind of was a bit obvious to buy Dennis. Um, I also um, don't quote me on this as being completely true, uh, but it seems from Planet FPL um, that he isn't going to go to AFCON because he's had a big falling out with Nigeria coach um, hasn't played for them for a couple of years. Um, so I think that's off the table. Um, if you had to choose from one of them, I, I guess we're going to say King because that's what we've said in the past on penalties, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but Dennis really is flying high at the moment. It's just whether it's sustainable, right, Harry? I mean, which way are you leaning at the moment? If I, if I went one now, it would be King. I suppose the price gap has got so small that you know, taking the chance on Dennis is getting less and less. I feel like a lot of the calls that we've looked at recently, like as we spoke about earlier, Son versus Kane, Gundogan versus Bernardo Silva, that a lot of them have gone against the stats. And actually the player who's in theory just looked a bit more lively on the pitch has actually been the one that's come out on top, which in theory would be Dennis in this case. But King's penalties, as you said, his underlying XG is higher. So I would be backing King if I had to pick one now. I picked King a few weeks ago when I was faced with this particular decision and the data backed it up. The data continues to back King up far ahead of Dennis. And so I would go for him. And just one interesting note uh, for me is that there was a king called Dennis um, in Portugal in the 13th century. And I think that's just an interesting fact there. Good Googling. There was a king called Dennis. He used to play for Arsenal as well. It's King Dennis Burkamp. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, you know, I, I completely agree that if I was looking at it now, I'd buy King. As it stands, I've had Dennis since my wild card back in game week four. So he's just been sat in my team the whole time, basically. So I thought, oh, hey, you know, he's a, play, he's a playing uh, a playing striker. He's 5.2. And I thought, yeah, he's fantastic. A great first sub. Come on, get me two or three points. Uh, now, he's literally just a starting, consider in the consideration for starting every week for the next kind of few. Um, so I'm going to obviously be very, very happy to make loads of money on a player like that who's an absolute punt um if i was choosing now i would say king um but you know dennis is doing very very well massively performing of course and the point has been made in the past that obviously he has never really done anything before i think anthony said that the other day but then it's i think it's his first kind of proper run of games at a club so maybe it's just a case of, of unlocking his potential in ranieri's system and it could be interesting to see what happens when sar comes back as well and um, but yeah I, I think king's probably the way to go it looks like he's a central striker at the moment as well and um, so yeah um, that's probably it for us and the final question this week the end of the party um 
Jamie Vardy, um, just a quick one here, I think. So Made Man um, still has Vardy and can't afford Solomon to Ronaldo. Um, maybe a point on elderly strikers, aging strikers in um, in the, over Christmas or something like that. We've already covered off of Ronaldo. I mean, if you've got a player like that, you can't change into the player that you want. What do you do? Do you roll the transfer? Do you try to kind of move them on immediately to kind of a, a piecemeal sort of thing? I think maybe let's make the question about that. What would you advise, Harry? Would you say make make this guy into into kind of um you know a, a, a kind of a, a halfway house sort of character? Would you say roll the transfer, get two free transfer, or would you say take the hit? Which way would you kind of go? So looking at it, I know Vardy didn't play game week 15 but looking at it Newcastle at home in game week 16 I'd probably be I wouldn't be selling him for a hit that's for sure and if you wanted to wait a week and do two free transfers to get Ronaldo in then then that's absolutely fine next week I also like the look of what Ollie, Ollie Watkins can offer Aston Villa have a really nice run of fixtures from next week but again with Vardy having Newcastle at home and Watkins going away to Aston Villa this week it wouldn't make sense to do that transfer if I had Vardy in my team for going into game week 16 I'd play him against I'd play him against Newcastle and then reconvene going into game week 17 where again the risk of rotation comes back because he is getting old and he can't play three games a week quite as much as he used to be able to but if I had him this week I'd, I'd play him against Newcastle and see what happens going into midweek yeah certainly certainly um I forgot about Watkins earlier on but I suppose that's just because he reverted back to being Woodford Watkins and missing two big chances and obviously Liverpool next but Villa another one perhaps on the list for eventually looking at Esri Concer I think is the highest scoring player this game week actually because we've got that brace didn't we? we've got 17 points something like that yeah um Beyond the Vardy context, though, Anthony, I mean, if you are in the sort of position where you've got to play, you don't really want any more, how would you advise in terms of, I guess, waiting, halfway housing or hitting? Like all of these questions, I think it, it does depend. And when it's somebody like Vardy, um, I know we're talking about beyond the Vardy context, but when you're talking about someone who has proven pedigree uh, in Premier League level and indeed in FPL, who has a pretty good fixture coming up, I think a bit like uh, Harry suggested, you know, I probably wouldn't be looking at selling Vardy for a hit. I think in general, you wouldn't want to be selling someone who is as liable to get a goal, if not a brace, as Vardy ahead of a fixture like that one um, at home to Newcastle. More generally, I think usually I think it's just better to move on, especially an expensive player that uh, you just feel is hogging up space in your side. It really does depend on whether we think, whether you just think that that player is even likely to score so it's like when we talk about Kane I think at least Vardy has had is playing in the right areas of the pitch and it, it, Leicester this isn't saying much really for, for Leicester or for Spurs really but Leicester at least look a bit more likely to score frequently than Spurs do um, generally over the last you know few months even if Leicester have been playing so poorly um, so I guess all in all we'd be trying to avoid hits if we can hang on if you feel there's even a hope at all to make that transfer and to move to something that works a bit more. Like Maidman was even talking about, you know, he can't get to Ronaldo. So that kind of necessitates the hit. Well, then that means could you just wait a little bit and the chance will come for you to move on to a Ronaldo or to make a more obvious transfer elsewhere. His question really hints at not knowing what else he would do with his side. And I think with that in mind, hang on the week and then kind of enable yourself to really shuffle the cards with two free transfers as opposed to just being kind of caught up against a wall with one and maybe making a suboptimal decision to avoid taking a hit. Yep. Cool. Makes sense. 
I'd always take the hip just because I have no self-control, but I'd rather, probably best listen to these two guys, to be honest. Right. I think that moving on to transfers and captains, it's worth seeing whether that's going to p- play out for us, I suppose. I mean, Harry, your bus team is looking looking all right. They're looking fine. Um, obviously, you've got um, Watkins away to Liverpool. Uh, maybe you'll bring in uh, White. He's got the first bench there against Southampton. Double that Arsenal defence. That's looking like a great idea after losing to Everton. Losing to Everton. I mean, really, buying in Ramsdale. Oh. Anyway, um, what are your transfers and captain situation? What is your transfers and captain situation this week? What are you looking to do? So I don't think I'll be playing White after this evening. I'm pretty happy with Watkins. I still think, you know, they created a lot of chances. They've looked pretty good. I can play him away at Liverpool. We know what happened last couple of times that Aston Villa have played Liverpool and uh, we let's just hope it happens again. Captaincy will be on Salah. Again, don't plan on moving it off of him. And transfer either, I think, will be Gallagher to Bowen or it will be the double transfer of Wilson and Son to Bowen and Ronaldo, depending on whether I feel spicy enough to go for Ronaldo ahead of Norwich or I keep Son, who's performed well over the past couple of weeks. Just keep an eye out for um, news emerging of Spurs as well. Looks like there could yeah. be a potential COVID outbreak, but we haven't gone into that tonight for just because the news has literally just broken. Um, but um, yeah, we try to keep that one in mind. Right. Anthony, another Son owner. Um, Jesus, Tony. Wow. It's a team of walking wounded. I still love the fact you've got Ron Arson on your bench. <laughs> it makes me laugh every time I see it. I mean, um, where are you uh, this week? Very much undecided that I, at least I have two free transfers going into this week. And I think uh, more than I expected to, I need those two free transfers now. As you say, I've both the Tony and Jesus flagged at the moment. Tony, almost certain to miss out are definitely going to miss out probably and then Jesus is a doubt so far Son obviously a question mark as well so it does look like I'll be using two of my free transfers the players of interest actually if if it wasn't if they weren't playing Liverpool Watkins would actually be of interest we've spent a bit of time talking about Villa in the last two three pods and just because of his price point he kind of does you know stand out as an interesting pick there um I think I need to shore up my city assets. And so maybe this is the chance to finally sell Jesus and do something else and get one of the midfielders. It would be Foden just making sure that everything works out during the mid- during the midweek. But if I can get to Foden, I think he's the one I might go to. It would be probably Son who's on the chopping board, but this is all kind of predicated on uh, things moving uh, with them. Tony as well is one that I'll definitely be, I'll definitely be, looking to sell if I can so I could even do a double striker transfer in in which case it's it's hard to identify that second striker for me I think I might maybe I'll end up um Antonio going with fixtures no it won't be Antonio uh, oh. I am not I was I was gonna say yeah I'm thinking about going with fixtures but that would be you know maybe like a Benteke type character or even a Callum Wilson just because he's you know just dependably Callum and also he plays Leicester who haven't been great shakes at the back at all lately he was on he was in consideration when I brought in King and I just couldn't finance it so maybe this is the time to make it happen and he's of course done well in the weeks since I brought in King fair play fair play um, and Captain Salah of course I'm also Captain Salah um, I've got an interesting decision uh, on my hands just because I've got Kane and Rafinha to potentially get rid of I've actually bench Rafinha at the moment and I'm playing Dennis and Gallagher over him um, I if I sell Rafinha for Bowen, then I'll probably bench Gallagher 
and play Kane. If I obviously sell Kane as well and take the, take another hit, another hit, um, I, I might just do that um, and bench Gallagher and have him first bench. I think I, I'm convinced that I'm going to be playing Dennis next three. I was giving his time to shine. Um, I'm, I'm fairly convinced I'm going with Bowen. Um, I really like the idea of doing that and going double West Ham um, for, for a little while with Antonio, who I've kept this whole time. Um, it's just whether I kind of go one step further and get him Ronaldo for Kane or leave that for another week to see how it kind of transpires. Um, I mean, there's still loads of news to come, obviously, um, with what's going on with Spurs and just in general with the European game. So I'm going to wait until those all happen, wait until Thursday because, you know, you could even see Bowen play in the Europa League, perhaps. And they doesn't have to because they've won the group, but they, he might, who knows? So a lot to wait on, but Kane and Rafinha to Ronaldo and Bowen, do I do them both for minus four or just do one? Um, and which one do I prioritise? I think I'll be prioritising Rafinha to, to Bowen and Benjamin Gallagher. So there you go. Oh, wow. Um, a longer than anticipated podcast. I think we've got through an awful lot there. Um, but I think that's finally your lot, isn't it, Anthony? Yes, it is. Thanks very much to everyone for listening. You were listening to Who Got the Assist. You can find us on YouTube if you want to look at us rather than listen to us. Just search WGTA or Who Got the Assist if you feel like extra typing. If you want to join our mini league, 2IP43T is the code. And if you want to get something into the correspondence section, then the easiest thing to do is to send an email to who got the assist at gmail.com. Harry, thanks so much for coming on. You'll find Harry at FPL underscore Harry. It was great to have you. Thank you very much for having me on. Enjoyed it. Awesome. We enjoyed having you too. Thanks for coming on, Harry. So I'm not too sure what the plan is for the next few pods. Um, that's actually the last proper pods for the next three game weeks, really. Um, we'll see what kind of gorilla pods we can throw in in terms of quick turnarounds like before. Um, you may just end up with, frankly, me speaking at you for about 20, 30 minutes at one point, given availability. We'll just have to see what happens um, over the next kind of week or so. I know we, you know, we'll try to get one out maybe Sunday, Monday. I'm, I'm actually out with FPL editor and a few others on um, on the Thursday, I think it is. So you may, you may only get one pod um, over the next week or so. Um, but yeah, we'll be back in for sure um, in, after game week 18. Um, as we've said in the past, we'd like to give a platform to little-known FPL accounts and a little-known account called FPL General or something will be joining us then. Um, so that we're really looking forward to that. Anyway, speak to you sometime in the next couple of weeks of December. We hope you... We hope we assisted you think about this month. Best of luck with all of it. And we'll speak to you very, very soon. Goodbye. Oh. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.